Well, welcome to the Cut for Time podcast here at the Canton United Methodist Church. My name is Pastor Clay. I'm joined by Eric Stearns, and today we're digging into Camp Sunday, our favorite Sunday of the year. We had the opportunity to hear a bunch of music from our Chi Alpha kids, and we had the opportunity to think a little bit about what it means that uh, Jesus claims us and Jesus gives us a name, which is Beloved Child of God. Uh, so we're going to be digging into the more full version of my sermon, which got posted later because Camp Sunday was awesome and fun, but also a little bit chaotic because yeah because camp sunday and that's just fine um but then we'll be digging into what it means and just the other places where names play a big factor in the bible so let's get into it sounds good so you preached this out of this text what six months ago ish i think so and i think this sounds about question of who do you say that i am that jesus asked peter is always one that i at least for me i struggle with a lot um, sure. Not that I don't believe who Jesus is, but right. sometimes it's hard to, it's hard to live it. It's hard to, um, feel like you're experiencing it all the time. Sure. Um, or does Jesus's role, sometimes Jesus's role in your life might change. Um, well, you change. Jesus never changes, but the way that right. you view Jesus's role changes. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I've, I've always, I've kind of struggled with this one. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know that I have a really good conclusion to, to how I feel Jesus, who Jesus is right now. Um, Messiah is obviously the, the, um, the first answer, but I still mm-hmm. think there's many layers to that. Oh yeah. What do you think? Yeah, I I completely agree with you. Um, As you were talking, one of the things that came to mind for me um, is I had the opportunity to go to a training uh, with Ken Sloan from Discipleship Ministries um, in the the United Methodist Church. Um, It was all about telling our God story. Um, And he was saying that the best template for telling your God story is Jesus is my blank. Like Jesus is my friend or Jesus is my comfort or Jesus is my healer. And I feel like those, I mean, None of those are wrong answers, but I think that that what I think that that blank does change as you go through life. I mean, there are times when Jesus is your healer, when there is something physically going on in your body that is being healed. And yes, science can explain it. And yes, medicine can explain it. But it also is because of the way that Jesus is working in and through you, you know, and then but then that might go away for a while. And that 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 part of who Jesus is doesn't become less important, but something else takes the forefront. You know, maybe, maybe life has changed in some significant way. And so you feel a little bit lost and you feel a little bit isolated and Jesus is your friend and maybe is even your only friend. And I don't think that that's Jesus changing. I think that that is what's going in our life, going on in our life, reflecting Jesus differently, depending on where we are. Um, you know, it just, it, 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 it's not that Jesus, like you said, it's not that Jesus changes. It's just that there are this, the way the life works, we can always find Jesus in the midst of it. And it's a matter of what is shining through at that time. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. I agree. When, when you asked that question, I immediately tried, you know, I, the, the first thing that popped into my head was leader. Um, Mm. I always strive to be a good leader. I think I have the qualities for that. Yeah, Um, for sure. And 
yeah, if I'm going to strive to be a leader, Jesus is the perfect example to do that. Yep. You know, how you want to treat people, how um, how you enact business, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. It's, it's That's the example. Yeah, absolutely. We had preached this, what, six months ago. And so yep. we were out for a run. This was post-marathon. So we were just, it was a slower run. So we were able to talk while we were running. He and I always have really good conversations about our faith, which which is interesting. There's a lot of people that I would never um, have those types of discussions with, but for some reason he's one, you know, That's and awesome. I always enjoy his insight. Um, and yeah, just what he brings in his experience is what he brings to the table. So anyway, you know, I posed that question to him and I don't know that he has an answer or had an answer for me that day, but we were just talking about how that can be such a hard question to answer. Oh yeah. Because of how we view Jesus changes on a daily basis, mm-hmm. you know, and sometimes we ignore him completely um, or don't yep. listen or yep, don't follow the example that is laid out before us. Um, yeah. I'm glad that you brought it up, you know, six months later, it came up six months later, just because that question never really never should go away. No, um, definitely not. You know, it's something that we should be thinking about. I, I don't know. So that's mm-hmm. that was the one thing that I thought about when uh, when you preached this sermon. Nice. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for sharing that, Eric. I appreciate that. No, I think this is an important text. And I'm really looking forward to walking through with campers because it is such an important question. And like, was, especially because I work with middle schoolers at camp, like, I'm hoping that this is a good question that just like, like with you, I'm hoping that this is a good question that sticks with them. Like this is an important passage of scripture because of what it means in the life of Simon Peter and how it does just kind of open the gate to the rest of what his life is going to be. Like I said, on Sunday, Jesus speaks destiny over Simon Peter. That's not going to unfold for quite some time, but it is going to unfold. You know, you are the rock upon whom I'm going to build the church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And that's what happens. I mean, that's what happens. Simon Peter becomes the leader until he is put to death for his faith in Jesus Christ. And the gates of hell have not prevailed against the church yet. So why did Jesus change his name? That's a great question. I like that one. Um, Jesus is following in the grand tradition of God changing the names of people that God's going to be using for divine purposes. Um, you know, this is this is the one example uh, in the Gospels where it happens, where the, where a name, I mean, very very clearly changes. I mean, it's not just a nickname; it's not just a ceremonial title. This is now Peter. I mean, the, there's a reason why, like the letters that Peter writes in the, to the early church, they're not called Simon Peter; they're called Peter. This became his name, um, and it's because. Jesus, again, was speaking destiny over Simon Peter's life, that he was going to be used for divine purposes every day of his life until the very end of his life. And even beyond that, because like I said on Sunday, we have these letters that he's given to the church in order to inspire their faithfulness in the midst of hard times. Simon Peter, his entire life trajectory changes when Jesus changes his name. 
I mean, he becomes the unofficial leader of the disciples, but then he becomes the official leader of the disciples after Jesus' ascension. And then the day of Pentecost, that becomes solidified. Um, so this happens a couple of different times in the Old Testament. The most vivid one that I can think of is Abraham becoming from Abram to Abraham. Um, in Genesis 12, um, you know, God calls to Abram and Sarai. Um, and it says that Ab he makes these promises, these covenantal promises that Abraham or Abram, despite being advanced in age and Sarai, despite being believed to be barren, are going to be the parents of a nation. Like they're going to have innumerable descendants, the fact to the point that they outnumber the stars in the sky. This is the promise that God made. And as a sign of that promise, as a sign of God's faithfulness to that promise, God changes his name. No longer are you Abraham, you are Abraham. And no longer is Sarah Sarai Sarah Sarai, she is going to be Sarah. And those become their names, Abraham and Sarah. This is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Like it's not Abram, it's Abraham. And that's just another sign that God's going to stay faithful to the promise, so much so that he's going to fundamentally change part of Abram's identity. Like the word that we use to identify ourselves is a big part of who we are. I mean, like I talked about on Sunday, like some of our names have meaning and significance and like come from, you know, family tradition. Like that's a big deal that, G that mm -hmm. God's messing with. Like the names are important. Names matter. And so having your name changed by God, you know, becomes this 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 sign of the promise. Um, another place where we see it in scripture is in the book of Acts with Saul um, turning into Paul, um, you know, and that was, again, that was a sign of God's promise in his life. That was a sign of, of, Paul, of Saul turned to Paul being commissioned into God's service. Um, you know, and part of it, I mean, part of it was for his own safety and like for his own, his own credibility. Um, you know, because Saul, the persecutor of the church, was killing people because of Jesus. And now he's going to be going and saving people because of Jesus. And so you can't really do that with, while still being known as Saul. Like that would have haunted him his entire rest of his ministry. And so in the brilliance of God, Paul, his name has changed. And then Paul is also sent to bring the gospel to Gentiles there. Paul is intentionally used as one of the vessels that brings the message of salvation to Gentile believers that would not have known his former life, except for the number of times that Saul Paul brings up his former life as a way of proving the work that God can do in a person. Um, but that again is a sign of promise and a sign of commission. Um, that God changes the names of those that God is going to choose to use in big, big ways. So that's that's why Jesus did what he did. Mm -hmm. And like one of the things, like the point of the sermon this time around, because this this story is so rich and so deep, and so it can be preached from all kinds of different levels. Sure. Um, you know, but I wanted us to really focus on, and not just because this is where the camp curriculum takes us, but this is faithful to the text. Um, you know, we, we are given a new name. Like we're not like God doesn't change our actual names. Like that's not, that's not how God works through us, even though God is using us for mighty and great things. Um, but yet God speaks belovedness over us by, you know, by claiming us as, as God's own. 
Um, and so like, what, what difference does it make to, in your life to know that you're a beloved child of God? Like, how does that, how does that really help? I think it makes life easier. I mean, not saying that it's a free, I think you can even mention this on Sunday, not saying that mm-hmm. it's a, a, a get out of jail free card. Right. But man, does it feel good to know that you can screw up and someone still loves you. The unconditional, yeah. the unconditional love that you get from God. Yeah. Because there's nothing that matches it. No, but I think you're on to something. I mean, you know, it does make following Jesus easier knowing that there is nothing that I can screw up so bad that I'm not welcome or accepted or, you know, that, and, and that where else do you find that in life? Right. You know, even in the church sometimes, like we, we, we shouldn't be this way, but sometimes we are conditional with, with people that, you know, we do unfortunately deem as less than or unworthy. And, you know, the, the church universal, not our, not, not just our church, but the church universal, we've done harm to people. We've done damage by making the expansive love of God exclusionary in some way, you know? And so, what we hear in scripture is, is not that story. What we hear in scripture is Jesus proclaiming that Simon Peter is the rock upon whom the church is built. And then watching Simon Peter turn right back around and chastise Jesus. You know, what scripture says is he rebukes Jesus for making the prediction around the crucifixion and the resurrection to the point where Jesus has to say, stand behind me, Satan, because you are doing damage to what I'm doing right now. Oh, you got to think about that. Like mm-hmm. Peter, the guy that, you know, cuts off the ear of Malchus in the garden uh, as Jesus is being arrested. Like Jesus has to like put the ear back on and say, please excuse my crazy friend, Peter. Sorry about that. You know, it's Peter. <laughs> that, sorry. You know, I know. Right. <laughs> it's you know, it's like a Peter sweet that... Norwegian lady. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And it's, it's, it's Peter that, that denies Jesus. And like, yes, it turns around. And at the end of Jesus' earthly ministry, he Peter affirms his love of Jesus three different times. But like, like I said on Sunday, Jesus doesn't think twice. Jesus doesn't hold back. Jesus doesn't regret his decision to the point where he takes it away from him. And that, I mean, that's so freeing for us to know that Jesus loves us like that too. Right. There's so many examples in the Bible that proves it to be true that the unconditional mm-hmm. love exists, whether it be yeah. Peter, Paul, yep. or any of the other many people who, David, who screwed way up. Oh, way yeah. Than we ever have. And- Absolutely. And a few days ago, I was reading out of a devotion that like brought up Acts 16 um, to me, um, which is Paul and Silas in, in prison in, in, in Philippi. Like they've, they've caused a riot in town and they've been thrown in prison and an earthquake comes and the jail falls over. And like the jailer is like, I have so sufficiently messed up that I can no longer be alive. And Paul says, stop, don't do that. We're all still here. Like, why why are you still there what compels you to stay it's the love of god that is being shown to that jailer you know to the point where you know he's like what do i have to do to be saved and mm-hmm. paul's like believe 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 in the name of jesus and you know yeah that i mean and that that in itself is unconditional love because like who else is forgiving that guy 
His supervisors aren't forgiving that guy. That's all there is to it. Like he done messed up. He let all these, I mean, presumably he let all these people get away. They stayed, but that wasn't because of him. You know, who's, who's trusting that guy again? He lost his, no matter what happens next, he lost his job, Mm -hmm. but he did not lose the love of God. And getting the chance to, and getting the chance to talk about that over middle schoolers. I just, the world that they live in is so crazy and so different and it is super conditional. You know, and so where are they going to hear about unconditional love if not from the gospel? Yeah, and it's an example of nothing else in life matters in the way that your faith does. Mm-hmm. So what's next week? Yeah, uh, so next week we are returning to the Emmaus story. Uh, we're going to be uh, digging into, uh, we're going to be digging kind of back into the meal. Um, so on Easter, it was about how we were revived in the breaking of bread. Um, and just, you know, how we're, how we come to know Jesus through this meal called Holy Communion. And so we're going to be kind of revisiting that a little bit. Um, now that the, the initial glow of Easter has kind of shined off a little bit and we can kind of really dig into what does it mean that this is how Jesus made himself known and like the disciples had no idea. And then, oh, by the way, Jesus disappears. Like Jesus is with them this entire time. He teaches them on the road. He, you know, becomes a guest in their house. He breaks the bread and then. They're, they realize it, and then Jesus leaves. So, like, what does that say to us? What does that mean for us as those that have never physically seen Jesus, but yet we still come to know who he is? Like, what does that leave for us? And so that would be kind of where we where we spend our time focusing on Sunday. Nice. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks for joining us on this week's Cup for Time podcast. Join us again next week in person or online or for the podcast next week. Thanks for listening to our Cut for Time conversation. Join us for worship in person or on Facebook Live Sundays at 10 o'clock Central Time. And now go in peace and serve the Lord.